podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. So let me start off with an apology. Yeah, you know I mean it's been a, it's been a, a, a hectic month, a, a taxing month, a challenging month, a lot of busy month, but a month that will uh, produce, I think, great things in the future. So apologize for the frequency or or the infrequency of the uh, new some new posts. And, you know, what I'm saying to turn the podcast a lot in production. Um, we decided to lighten the load a little bit this week. You know, subject matter wise, I hope you enjoy. But please, please uh, stay with us. Stay tuned. Um, great, great things to come. And, um, you know, as always, man, take the best part for yourself. You dig me? All right. So with that, let's get into the show. Peace. I'm Majestic. My brother Justice, what's going on? I am good. I'm good. So um, we're back together again. And today, uh, you know, Take it a little, a little lighter <laughs> in life. Um, so in the, in the, since last time we recorded, uh, we had the birthdays of Stevie Wonder uh, and the birthday of Biggie. You know, Stevie Wonder is still with us. Biggie, obviously, has returned. He's not with us in the physical. Um, and thought it would be fun to just do a little, um, um, little top five. You know, what do you like most? from them um and i and i wanted to just even to get this conversation started upon further review because i think we had a conversation about like who could be on a versus with stevie wonder and no one could be on a verse like you'd have to have stevie wonder versus stevie wonder it had to be like him yeah and then like just people come in <laughs> and be like i'm gonna yeah. sing the song with stevie stevie's he's just he's like a whole nother universe like there's no one I, absolutely yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can do the, you know, you can have fun and do the Marvin Stevie, you know, like, uh, you know, mixtapes and stuff. But just when it comes to pure output and in some sense, it's just because of time. Right. Yeah. No one. You just you just can't do nothing with the guy. I mean, you know, even in looking at a top five for Stevie Wonder, you just think about all these songs that were done in like 68, 67. Right. Like. There's just a whole set of songs that even in, in we're mid our mid forties, there's a whole set of songs that we don't even have access to. That was part of Motown, All right? Right. A lot of us get into the you know early seventies Stevie, you know, on to you know uh, Don't Drive Drunk, <laughs> which I'll talk about later. <laughs> but like uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think his music and his influence. And the influence of the music that he did is unparalleled. Um, I mean, obviously, in a our new generation, um, we would like to imagine that to some degree, Prince and you know Michael Jackson and those kind of things have been able to to touch it. But I I I don't know about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I really don't know who's I, been able I to mean, do what 
he's been able to do for as long as he did it. And as long as he is still doing it, no matter if I don't know when the last TV, new TV Wonder, Wonder song I heard, doesn't matter. The fact that he's still producing music. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. I, yeah just so that, so it stuck with me. So what we wanted to do was a, was was a, was a, was a, was a pick five, top five, uh, and you you say you wanted to go with records, like the whole albums, um, and um, so why don't you go ahead and lead off? What's your what's your first one that you would would put on the docket for folks? All right, so I'll start with number five to me, and number five to me is Inner Visions, um, and Inner Visions to me is the top five because I know how important it is. I have to say that some of the songs aren't the stuff I would just put on to just go listen to, mm-hmm. but like living just enough for the city, this idea of like black soul with kind of like the rock element to it. You know what I mean? Also the, the, the intermissions, right? Like even the idea of like, when you listen to the intermission of um, living just enough for the city and dude comes to New York and, Somebody puts something in his hand. Next thing you know, the cops come and lock him up, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if you try to think about that, like, who was framing urban life even like that and would put it into her interlude on a song? You know what I mean? So, like, that, the inner visions for me um, is a top five, though it doesn't get a lot, a lot of play off in the ride, so to speak. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, but as far as the actual quality in, how important the album is um, can't really be denied, right? Like you can't really uh, not give it its respect. I mean, again, for 1973, thinking like too high, how that stuff sounds, Golden Lady, you know, don't you worry about a thing. I mean, sometime again, we could just lay, like the mistake these albums. Um, and also, and I go to talk about it, but I think coming off a talking book, you know, it's not often you could take an album like Talking Book and then go in another direction while still keeping the same quality. So I think that's what that's yeah. that's uh, number five for me. Yeah, Intervision is one of my favorites. Um, a couple of my, uh, I mean, like songs I got call them songs I have trouble stopping to play when I start playing them, like Higher Ground. Like I, I didn't want to play because it comes on, it's like you know, doom, 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 the, the damn bass come in, and, the, and I'd be like, Yeah, I'm gonna listen to the rest of this song. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and it's definitely pieces on that record that I enjoy that, like Jesus Children of America. Um, you know, he's out here, you know, in, engaging the uh, you know, our I guess, you know, our uh, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a it wasn't like he just made the record for black people, but. You know, he's asking people like y'all be talking about Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> like this is what y'all tell me y'all about. That you know, sometimes stuff y'all do don't be sounding like Jesus. You know, that's in the book, right? The start. You know what I mean? And then you know, even the starter record with you know, you know about addiction with two highs. Like it's a very ill, ill record. So I tried to do in my own process. I'm sure this. So I'll give one of my uh, top five and uh, intervisions was in mine. So. We'll count that because I actually tried to leave songs in the key of life out because it, it's too damn good. I just okay, it. that's fair. <laughs> I, actually, I actually noted that in my record. In my, in like I tried to like use a couple songs to say, "Hey, with well, these songs," and I was like, 
It's too many goddamn songs. Too many goddamn songs on Songs of the Kid Life. Okay. Yeah, I just I just put Songs of the Kid Life uh, aside for mine, and um, I was able to, the next one I would share is actually um, and this was a record that um, I would say it was like. So I don't know if you had this phenomenon or experience, right? When you were here, like you 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 came into existence as as a person, and you got to whatever age when you could first start like knowing songs. And then, so as far as I was concerned, one song, songs in the key of life, like was the Stevie Wonder record, like that. Like I didn't really know. Then it was like you know whatever came after that. But then you would hear other songs on the radio, but it was the eighties where it wasn't no way to like go home and be like, I heard this song on the radio. How do I find that song? Right. Right. You know, right. you can ask the people who's like, if they had the record, like, oh, that's, you know, that's off of this record. Or if you, if you happen to the song that it was played happened to be right when they went to like the break and like, oh yeah, we just played, you know, Superwoman. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, so Superwoman off music of my mind, which is the record that I'm going to bring up next. Um, is a record like I had to like once I had the ability to like go find records <laughs> I was like I know this song and I like this song I have no idea what this song is called and I hear it and it's like one of my favorite songs that Stevie Wonder's ever made but it you know I, I didn't know where it was at and um so the but like music of my mind um what I enjoy about it is it, and I think where it falls if it falls it's before, yeah, it's before talking about, or it's like at the same time because they both came out in '72. Yep. Um, which is wild. Uh, but it's like, you know, it's like love songs on there. It's like, you know, um, you know, that's sort of funky with the, with the, with the, uh, with the, with the, the, it's not a key, just a keyboard. The synthesizer unit that they're using is like a, a big ill machine. You know, you got some of the, 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 the Stevie Wonder melancholy. Love, you know, jams like you know, seem so long, and um, you know, it's just it's it's one of my favorite records that I actually enjoy, like listening to, especially like in the crib. You know, what I'm saying like I'm about being house and listening to this and uh, you know, and just generally, Superwoman is a um, um, a super level of uh, you know, I think Stevie Wonder is one of the the best at like making you a song where it's like tell them how you feel. Like t- tell him how you really feel, Steve. He's like, you know, where were you when I needed you? You know what I'm saying? Right. Last winter. You know what I'm saying? It was cold out. It's like a metaphor, but like, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's the spring and autumn. It's amazing. So, um, music in my mind would be the, you know, also was one of the ones yeah. I put down as number four. Or I don't know if it had a number for sure, but it was in there. Okay. So, so inter- interestingly enough, on that level, um, the next album I actually had was, Musiquarium, right? Mm. And so I realized later when I went back, the Musiquarium was like a Best of Stevie Wonder album with like three new songs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, because I always would wonder as a kid, like, Musiquarium. I don't know where to put that. Like, so like you talked about, and I'll, I'll share a little more for me, the Stevie Wonder album that became like the defining, the first album I saw and heard was Talking Book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first album that was normalized to me was Hotter Than July, but I'll talk about those. But like, Musiquarium was kind of like, I don't know what, 
really where this fits in until I realized where it fits in is, hey, this is the best of Stevie Wonder with Do I Do on it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that girl. Like, that it's, girl. The best, it's the best to do Stevie Wonder with new songs for today. Right? right. And which itself makes it really interesting because I often confuse it with, I'm sure we'll have some dialogue about this, uh, um, The Secret Life of Plants. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I would confuse it until I realized, like, you know, I was a couple days, you know, a couple days ago, whatever, like, oh shit, Beats Aquarium was really just a, yeah. a, best of, a, a best of Stevie Wonder you always wanted to hear. Plus, we wanted to get these two new songs out, right? Like, right. Boogie Woman, um, you know, which I think is important because it was his second foray into reggae, um, which, you know, I think it can be easy now to forget that the larger, quote unquote, African-American community was not, um, did not embrace reggae mm. from its beginnings, right? Mm. Um, I think, you know, if you're, if you come into mu- understand music post 89 with Shaba and, you know, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, uh, Daddy O and Third World doing Forbidden Love, you can forget that like music from the islands was not a part of true, like black American music. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that was important. So yeah, Music Aquarium is that for me, one for those songs um, that were so distinctive coming out of Hotter Than July when I kind of felt he he hit a groove. Mm. That groove goes somewhere, but yeah, let's just, uh, I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah. And I had to, to say that like, Do I Do is, 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 a, is an all-time example of Stevie wants everybody to win. Like he's like, look, I'm gonna put the lyrics and the song so you can say the say the thought and dance with with the person that you like at the same time. You tell him like, do I do? Do you feel like I feel? Do you when I when I show you how I love you and you like, do you feel the same way? And then you can also be dancing like at the same time. At least for us brothers that dance, some I mean, of y'all I know ain't into dancing. Y'all got to figure that out. But well, that was deep, just that, that was uh, that was I'm just that saying, was meta. That was meta, man. I'm, you know, this is how I enjoy the Stevie, man. I'm, I'm I'm all here. I was here with uh working on this yesterday. Um with Lyad, she was trying to watch the show, and I was gyrating around around the house <laughs> listening to those songs, going like, hmm, yeah, I forgot about that song. And that song's on this record. And yeah, it's like do I do is a is a is a yeah, it's 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 a, and then it's also it's a 10-minute song in the 80s. Like he just I'm gonna put out a 10-minute song with Dizzy Gillespie on it. Cause I'm better than y'all at music, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That definitely is one of those like. And I put Dizzy Gillespie on to play, and yeah, we, you know, I know y'all, y'all starting to like these four minute songs, but um, for that. this and ain't it, it. And the song ends like four times. You be like, oh, it's about to end, and it's like, nope. <laughs> He's like, and now Dizzy Gillespie, and then he, then after that, <laughs> then he raps, <laughs> and he raps and scats. It's, do it's I amazing. do? He's do I do? Yeah, so, yeah, um, no. All right, what I got? Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and go to talking book now because I think we we both probably land somewhere in there. And um, um, talking book is just a, is a and that's what was always so confusing to me because I was like, how did he put? How was this record out the same year? Like, because like I said, I heard talking book and we used to listen to talking book. I used to listen to talking book all the time, and there were songs on here. It's such a, a well-rounded record, but it's also like it's got funky stuff on it. It's got 
you know, uh, you know, stuff you can dance to. We got, you know, got the, uh, you know, unrequited love or the, you know, light love is complicated songs like Blame It on the Sun. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes don't work out, baby. Blame it on the sun. Like, <laughs> what are we going to, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Um, and, um, you know, it's just generally, I think, probably one of my favorite just listening records. I mean, we used to listen to this, you know, back when we, we, we had, you know, apartments together, you know, back in the day, way back in the 90s, you know what I'm saying, for all your young people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I think, yeah, Talking Book to me, and like I said, Talking Book for me is like, when you see an album that your parents still really hold to be important, but you don't know what the hell's going on, like CNCB Wonder with braids sitting on some sort of rock right. in California, like touching something. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, like you see that kind of record and you're like, the hell is going on here, man? Like, you know, because by this time you start coming into yourself, like you think about Michael Jackson Thriller and like, you know, Curtis Blow and shit. And you start seeing this album that's frayed at the edges of Talking Book. But I mean, to your point, you know, Talking Book to me is the most like, it's not the most comprehensive, but it feels the most complete. Mm. That's the what I'll say. It feels the most complete. It feels like he got into a zone and zoned out. Now, Songs in the Key of Life is almost like zoned out on steroids. But if you're just talking about like, hey, listen, I took 10 songs and I was locked in for 10 songs. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to say like halftime, like, like Illmatic, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to say like Reasonable Doubt, but I think if you needed some hip hop ones, you know, or like I Want You, right? Like to me, that's like the Stevie Wonder album that you're just like, okay, he got into a vibe, he got an energy, and he took it and he went down a rabbit hole with that energy. Yeah. A lot of the rest of them, a lot of the rest of them kind of give you a bit of everything. Um, Like I said, I think Inner Visions gives you kind of every, a little bit of everything. Um, But the talking book is almost like doubling down, so to speak. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, All right. What you got? So, um, so I mean, we we talked about songs and kid life is almost unfair. So that's fair. <laughs> like songs and kid life is isn't she lovely? Pastime paradise knocks me off my feet. Summer song. I mean, you just get to again, it gets to a place where it's like you just keep getting hit with stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? Um. And you get an artist who's in there like prime. So like I said, I still would argue that talking book is like deep, right? Like locked in. And and what's the name is almost like, I'm just hitting you with hit, almost like hit after hit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if there's a hip hop equivalent to it um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, you just get like an album that is like unrequited, just top to bottom, amazing, right? And so that's what that's what Songs in the Key of Life is. And it kind of also shows you, one thing Songs in the Key of Life is when you look at like, you know, Estin Astoria and like, you know, 
look these different sounds that he was dealing with and obviously being open to different music, which again, you see later with his engagement with reggae, his engagement with just like funk. And I think Stevie Wonder also kind of ducked that weird space that a lot of musical artists had to deal with <laughs> between 78 and 82. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a lot of folks, you know, had to deal with the shift of black music and black culture. And I think he navigated that probably the best. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to compare if, if I chose to compare it, we see some of the challenges that that Marvin Gaye had during that time. Right? Mm-hmm. Stevie didn't have those challenges. Maybe he just chilled and also we got those secret life plans. But you know, uh, you know, it, it just feels like he just went somewhere else. When people were trying to do something, he just went somewhere else with it, right? The songs mm-hmm. in the key of life was like. Yeah, it's almost like a Drake album. Like, I mean, again, and I please, please don't be offended. I'm comparing, comparing Stevie Wonder to Drake. But for the, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he just threw, he threw everything at the wall and it all stuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I wonder at times that that album is so good if he was just like, man, I don't even know if I need to make music no more. Like, or like, I mean, I'm sure, he, I mean, obviously he kept making music, but sort of like, it's so many good songs so many great songs and then it's a variety and it's and then it's hard to believe that all those songs are on the same record you know what i mean when you start listening like wait a minute these are all on the same record and like, oh no oh, oh oh you know what i'm saying like um and and there's the idea that you know he, he started singing in spanish i mean he's been sung in spanish before but he's like you know you know he just kept going with it and then like the uh even to me, it's like the um, sort of towards the end of that record, like All Day Sucker and Easy Going, even in, you know, it's like these are songs you're like, oh, what's that? And it's like, wait a minute, this is this is a good song too. <laughs> like, this song is dope too. Like, right. It's amazing. Um, and we used to listen, I mean, we used to listen to a lot of these a lot. I mean, even on like, uh, you know, and then, you know, Stevie always, you know, sometimes the, the especially now, I think, I don't see it as much like when someone tries to do like a a, a informative song that's like a singing song. So like a song like Black Man, where he's like he's like you know singing about like knowing your history and where you come. We got the got the got the who was Benjamin went up the who put up the light to Benjamin Banneker, a black man. Like you got the kids and stuff. Like that's amazing. I don't know anybody would do that in these days and times in a way that like wouldn't seem corny. I don't know if people thought that was corny then. I, I can't remember. I just liked it. You know, so I, well, I, I, that's the that's the thing. Like, whether you do a song that matters because it matters, and yeah. you can still do a song about your people that matters, that is a good song. And here's the other thing that we don't that we almost take out of our minds now. You make albums assuming the children can listen to it. Mm. Right. <laughs> Right, like think about the last album that's not jazz or like I don't know whatever that you picked up and was like, oh, like just I could just me and I just sit here and listen to this all day. Right, right, like we don't even think of new music being made in that context anymore. Right, where it's like it's for adults. They're like right, like this is for adults. Like yeah, like this is adult music, right? And so with that shift, the idea that you can't make a song for kids because I don't make kid music. So you make like adult music. Like, you know, and I get it because, you know, when Two Live Crew and everybody started framing the music 
for I would say the broader society that even now impacts R and B, like I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not even like you know R and B that you used to be able to be listening kids listen to. Like you don't think about even though Billie Jean was about some crazy shit, right? Right. It didn't stop your parents from letting you listen to Thriller. <laughs> it was a metaphor. It was, <laughs> it was on the nose. You know what I'm saying? Like right. today, Billie Jean is like. I don't know. Some, I don't know how much more explicit you could make Billie Jean, but in some way it would be. It, it would be. Yeah, some it, it'd be crude. Line. But you know what? It, you know what it would be? It would be crude. Yeah. It's not even that it wouldn't be because you're right. It's actually quite explicit, <laughs> right? It's like right. kids, not my son. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened between us, and the kids, not my son, man. But it's like it would be. You would be talking about her. You would be castigating her, right? Yeah. And that's that. You know. Blowfly <laughs> influence rap dirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything got to be like, damn. So lead nothing to the imagination. Yeah, like you know? look at, yeah, uh, look, look like, at what, who who she is. She probably was out with this dude. It ain't yeah. my baby. It's him. He's a sucker. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's all right, man. So practice some discretion. It's just yeah. not my kid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So let me see what I had here. Um. And I, <clears throat> so I went and I was trying to think about like, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's a record that, so in the square circle, you know what I'm saying? 1985's own. It's actually like, it's a fun, it's, I don't know. I, I enjoy a lot of that record. There's a couple songs that are sort of like, I don't know where it goes, but then the songs like go home overjoyed. I mean, obviously this is a, um, you know, he had an anti-apartheid song on the record. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like he's still Stevie. Like, you interview um, what's the other one on here? I mean, part-time lover. You know, you just got Luther Vandross just singing back up. Like, I'm Stevie Wonder. Luther Vandross sing back up on my records. And I think I was listening to another podcast, and I think is it hotter than July or a couple somewhere in there? The band that's playing the music is the is the Gap Band. <laughs> No, yeah, and that's, I'll go to that, I'm going to go to that one in a minute, yeah, um, like. But it was more like, you know, Steve Wonder, he's sitting in, you know, some sort of abstract 80s field of rocks and moonstones or something, like, a, yeah. and, and he's just, you know, thinking about complicated love situations, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, Steve, Stevie's seen things, you know, Stevie don't, you know. From 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 the you know he's out here in the streets as they might say. You know I mean? Clearly, Stevie the was thing. in the streets. <laughs> Stevie's, uh, Cle- Cle- Stevie did not let his lack of uh, physical vision yeah, stop it, his it, lack of engagement it, in the streets. <laughs> the 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 lyric I like go home is she said he said uh, <laughs> yeah he had no right to tell her. She said I had no right to tell her how life would be. But she'd agree to go along with my final word. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, mm. like, like wow, Stevie. You're a wild dude, man. You just, you just out here doing stuff, man. Like, I, don't, I, I, I listen to the song every time. I'm trying to figure out totally. Like, it's like, it, did she lose her family? Or did he lose her family? Or did everybody <laughs> lose their family? Shit. So then was she waiting for him to, like, be not in a relationship so they could finally get together or was it and then he kept saying like nah baby go home like nah I mean don't do that <laughs> don't be waiting for me 
I'm on the road about doing Stevie Wonder. Steve, Steve, Stevie gave it right up. We gave it up. Wow, Stevie, you was a, you was a cold, you was a cold piece, man. So. <laughs> and so, I do want to touch on that time frame really, really quickly because mm-hmm. you get so you get how did it July in 1980, and it's hard to do this without the weird journey through the Secret Life of Plants. But I'm gonna say that for last. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if they how did in July is nineteen eighty, right? And so, um, and then so you get this amazing album, and then you get the best of Stevie Wonder, aka Musicquarium, with three new songs in eighty two, right? Mm-hmm. Then he goes to doing, uh, what's the name in a red dress, the lady, the woman in red, right? Which. To me, begins the interesting space of, and I won't call it uneven, but it begins a, to me. Stevie Wonder goes into a different place, right? And I think a lot of other artists start to inhabit the world differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it becomes a space where Stevie is no longer king, but like produces quality music. I mean, if you if you look at this intersection. This is when Michael Jackson becomes the biggest artist on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you get new forms, when you get R&B, when you get Stevie starting to get into the like contemporary R&B space, right, for the most part. And because he's so talented, he actually is doing entire soundtracks. But for like the woman in red with Gene Wilder, right? So it's kind of like, right. that, that gets complicated because it's like, that movie was strange anyway. Yeah. It wasn't like he did, it wasn't like... Sh- Shaft. <laughs> it wasn't even like it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't B Street or talking about uh uh what's his name uh Yardbird talking about um Charlie Parker like the Charlie Parker movie. It was like Woman in Reds. So you get that, and then you get that album, which again is embracing like this mid '80s almost like what's going on in black <laughs> relationships, but then doing an anti-apartheid song, building off of his work on Hotter Than July, right? So you just get to an interesting place where there's classic songs off of those albums, but you get to the place where there's two and three and four songs, not like the entire record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then there's a there's an instrumentation change, and he like you know there's some great things with the different like uh, the weird like you know where the keyboards and the other equipment went in the '80s. And then sometimes it's like, nah, it's like something's missing here. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, yeah. it's just like there's something. That's a little bit missing, and and you know, it, it's still because it, it's like even you go up to, you know, up through the you know uh, like kind con- of conversation piece, which is at least uh, I think there's some other stuff in, but that's kind of like the last record until like the two thousands. Um, and and the Jungle Fever soundtrack is actually a pretty dope album, but like, it is. It if you ever listened to it, you wouldn't know. But when you listen, you're like, oh, that's actually. You know, it's not just uh, Jungle Fever <laughs> and uh, what's the other and uh, these, these three, three words. words. Yeah, but, you know what I mean. Like it's a lot. It's uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like he had moved to another. He moved to the balcony by that time. Yeah. Right. Like there's a place between like '84 and '91 that he moves to the balcony. Right. Yeah. Like the new stuff, whether it's the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis sound. You you know what I mean. Right. Um whether it's the, just the Michael Jackson pop takeover, whether it's the, you know what I mean? The, just all that kind of influence kind of kicks in. Um, 
in you know in that hard instrumental kind of Lisa Lisa cult jam music mm-hmm. that's kind of like black but everybody so yeah I think you just have an interesting space that he gets there um and I think part of that and then go back to hotter than July um hotter than July was a seminal album for for me because of kind of its coattails, right? Mm. So Hotter Than July, I can't argue that it had the most coattails, but I'll put it in context of my childhood. It had the most coattails for a number of reasons, right? Like when you think about Lately and the influence of like Lately even going into our child, our like uh, teenage years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, like All I Do as the song that you hear at your family's barbecues. Right. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Um, Rocket Love, right? Like just just that level of instrumentation that you that you start not to hear after that time. Like that that level of care in that song that you really start not to hear post to me, like hotter than July. Um and then obviously his engagement with doing, you know. Master Blaster, like, you know, doing a reggae song, right? Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Happy Birthday. So, the interesting thing about, you know, Michael Jackson, Luther Vandross, Angela Winbush, all sung back up on this album. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, and there's an article out, now. we'll forget the link so you can share it, about, like, the making of Hotter Than July which also talks about like how Stevie Wonder was so far ahead with technology. Like he was so far ahead of everyone with the technology, what people understood, but also who he brought in again to sing because this is 1980 and you're bringing Michael Jackson in to sing background. You're bringing Luther Vandross coming right off, you know, coming off of that vibe with the uh, David Bowie and all them, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're just bringing in top tier of people to get busy and and produce this kind of like vision. And you also did a country song, you know? Now, you may debate how the country song fell versus, you know, <laughs> uh, jamming, right? Right. <laughs> I, think, I think jamming holds a little test of time better than the country song. I ain't gonna stand for it. But yeah, I just think that, and then also just the importance of Happy Birthday, the importance that I think it's easy to forget that Stevie Wonder, along with Gil Scott Heron, almost single-handedly kept the idea of Martin Luther King getting a birthday uh, in his name in people's faces. Yeah, They paid for stuff. They traveled, did this tour. I mean, them two artists were really primarily responsible for something that when we were coming up seemed very normalized and only in the last five years that people, quote-unquote, rediscovered Martin Luther King. Um, but like just thinking about just taking for granted the role of a musician and doing something like that, the role mm-hmm. of a musician working with um the family and working with elected officials on getting something done because they saw it. And this is only 15 years after his his assassination, his murder. Right. So right. it's you know, That's it's not like it's contextually. Think right. We can forget that like, it's only 15 years. Like this is not a no, it happened in the 30s, right? This happened 15 years, and they worked to get this done 15 years later and make, of all people, Re- Ronald Reagan, 
And you know, Ronald Reagan was a transactional Republican, so I don't, I don't yeah. sometimes have an interest in turning someone who wasn't, who obviously had a negative impact on black and brown and native communities, but turning him into the monster that he really wasn't. He was just an actor, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> right? He was, he was playing a part. Um, he had some beliefs, but wasn't the biggest deals. So, you know, anyway, but like, I just, so I think that album is important. And then also the, just the front, right? He takes the, he takes like, you know, the hotter than July. He's at, he's at full Stevie, right? He got the driving glasses on. <laughs> he got a totally coordinated, um, break, like beads. Right. You, you got know what I mean? Going. Yeah. Like he's like, he, he was like at, at, at peak Stevie. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was at, he was at peak, uh, drip as the young people say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and it, it, it totally is like. And when you think about it, like it, there's not like a a song I would call a disco song on here, but no. but there's songs that uh, you know I, I imagine you know you could I guess you could play. I mean, and even even between this and songs of the key life, and so like disco is happening while all this is happening, and I don't know that there's a a disco. I guess do I do would be a disco song in a sense, but it's almost like a disco slash go-go song slash something else like coming after it's, it's, it stands, exactly. It, it kind of stands singular. Yeah, it's amazing. Because, yeah, like, yes, I got the chocolate kisses for your love. That ain't no disco song. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. he is singing, right? And so you don't get, there's not females singing on the song to make it lighter. Like, he's the greatest dancer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like it, it's actually like you said, it's got like go-go percussion. He's singing, he's damn near scared, he's changing his voice, right? Uh it, it, yeah, man. So it, it's just um I just all just the idea of all I do, the idea of like these songs that he put out that clearly was like, I'm doing me and I brought the world to me versus going to the world. Mm. And to say and leave it alone to say that happy birthday is also stayed as the black birthday song. Right, right. Which no one knows when to stop singing it. You right. Have a, like we all you gotta have a meeting for are we doing four? <laughs> we doing four times with the happy birthday. We doing yeah. eight. How many are we doing? Because if you cause it ain't you don't really know where to stop. You just keep going. Uh and the uh it is hilarious that he did a did a damn country record. Oh, that's all the daughter did. Like, yeah, hey, I'm just gonna do a country song just because you know, just in case they didn't think I could do one. You know, what I'm saying I am from Arkansas. <laughs> like, right. That's in case y'all. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Charlie Pride. Right. You know I, mean? I am. Like, from, I, I. You know, black people can do. That's that's like one of the true black excellence food. Black people do everything, man. Shit. I take some shit from the islands. You niggas never heard about. <laughs> you I don't know nothing about this. Let me y'all tell you. Nothing about Rick. I was just in Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't just go there and relax. You know what I'm saying? For tours, you know, to do uh, events. I'm in the I'm out. In, I'm in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Picking up these songs. Um, word up, word up. So I, I think we're we're at the point where we can go have a moment for journey through the secret life of plants. <laughs> all right, all right. I've been waiting. I've been I've been waiting to <laughs> I've been waiting to be able to speak at length about this idea of making the of someone creating this oral experience about journeying through the secret life of plants and having like crickets and cicadas and all kind of sounds and all kind of like symphony sounds being done in the middle of soul funk and disco music, right? When everybody else, when 
you know, they think we trying to think about Michael Jackson off the wall. <laughs> we think about all kind of fast paced music. He does an entire album that's made for your plants to function. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just since I've been getting into plants, I really was listening to it like, man, this is this is some deep shit he did, man. Like, so to go from songs in the key of life to do that, to then come back and do hotter than July. Right? The breath it takes to have the 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 cojones. The whatever you want to insert gender neutral term, whatever term you want to insert to just do that and be like, listen, and then to put Sin One Your Love, which to me is probably one of my top three Stevie songs of all time. Yeah. It's a beautiful. Just song. Put, put that to put in, it the in the middle. middle uh, like, is they going to start singing? Like, I, nobody told me there wasn't a lot of singing on Secret Life of Plants. So when I finally got a copy of it, like, man, I'm about to put the Secret Life of Plants on. And I was like, this is nice. Is Stevie gonna sing? Is it? And it's like, ain't nobody. Oh shit, Stevie. They only singing on a couple tracks. Like they literally just like, yo, this this ain't this ain't a singing record. You know what I'm saying? We are gonna put one on there. Like, I I I, I don't know if there's an article about <laughs> making a secret life of plants, but I would love to read it <laughs> to understand the history. Like. What was was Stevie just like I said? Was Stevie did he do so much with songs of the kid life? He's like, man, I need to go a whole nother direction. Like I just need to take it. I just need to take a step back from all this singing. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna put out a record where I'm saying like four songs. I think it's one where it's like some talking, like a, like yeah, baby, we gotta go to the thing. Something like it's like it's like a conversation in the background and right some other stuff. It's it, it's it's fascinating and just. I mean, there's a part of it that, like, the structure of the music business where he, the level that he was at that, you know, he could kind of pull that sort of thing off. Like, I'm going to put this record out, and, like, yeah, there ain't a lot of singing on it. And they'd be like, wait, so what's the... Like, if you put it within any of the frameworks that we would sometimes think about, like, well, what, what's the song they're going to play on the radio? What the hell they play the same one you love? What, what about... You know, I mean, man, you know, the mother songs, look, listen, it's for you to be listening and, and you know, and 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 the deep go into deep meditative thought. You know what I'm saying? Like deal with deal with your meditation or your trans, you know, your transcendental experience. Like it ain't it ain't for you know all the, all this hooting and hollering, so to speak. All this boogie night shit. <laughs> you go boogie, go boogie with somebody else. Like Stevie Wonder wants you to get in the get in the mode with your with your plan with the living, get rooted, you know what I'm saying, into the earth. So it's it's amazing. I think, uh, but it definitely catches you off guard because if you thought like, oh man, it's just like some secret, you know, jams on here or some song I heard that I didn't realize what record was on. And then it's like, oh snap, it ain't no, it ain't no singing. Barely. It ain't that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I still actually do enjoy it too. <laughs> like, I just had to be in the right mood. Like I got to be in the right place for, uh, for Journey to Secret Life of Plans. Because um, because there's not, like songs like you can't sing along, you know, which is actually one of my favorite things about a lot of Stevie Wonder songs. They are in the range that I can sing along at least to myself and feel like I, I can stick with it. <laughs> like where some people's songs if you want to sing along and you ain't no trained singer, it's like, oh man, that's too much work. I can't do all that stuff they doing. But and not that not saying that Stevie's on the simplistic. I think he's created music where I, I imagine everybody thinks they can sing along to Stevie Wonder songs. Even right. if it can't. It, it ain't like it ain't like uh it ain't like wishing on a star from Rolls Royce. 
Where right. It's kind of like you can sing along, but you clearly know <laughs> that this is insufficient to get across what she just got across. <laughs> like Minnie Riverton. Like you're not doing enough here. Yeah, yeah. You're like you're you're clearly, you know, you gotta back up. Like there's a point where you gotta like drop out and let the record <laughs> You can't lie to yourself. <laughs> I love Stevie Wonder. So um did that did we get the 10? We I think we did. We did. Okay, cool. So um in the in the, in the pivot of love, you know what I'm saying? We 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 just gonna parlay over um, you know, to Brooklyn's own. Uh, Biggie Smalls, the notorious B.I.G. And, um, you know, and it's always interesting because folks celebrate when Biggie was, was I'm always sort of in, in a flux. Like, should we celebrate when, when Biggie was, was murdered or should we look at when he was born? It's sort of an interesting challenge. You know what I'm saying? It would be like, I mean, it's not, it's not on the same scale, but just in general, it's almost like, you know, it's a big, people make, I mean, I guess for our generation, though, it's also like a public mourning, I guess you could, you, could, uh, you know, grieving, so to speak. So I guess that'd be it. But in any event, um, it always reminds me when you go to work through, um, you know, Biggie's music, it's, it's the sad part that it's like, you don't really know how much more music he was going to do. You know I mean, because he, he really didn't get enough time, I think, to to do you know, you know, like what would have the 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 fourth and fifth, you know, Biggie records look like? You know, what I'm saying, like, what, 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 where would he have went with, with his, you know, not just his subject matter. You know, what I'm saying, how would it have developed? You know, in light of his ability. You know, what I mean, his, his ability is, is is amazing. You know, the, the patterns and everything, but the you know, just so it's just disappointing at times when you look at it from that light. But you know. We're gonna try to, you know, we're gonna stay on the hot top side of the eight, you know, deal with just what was some of the some of the some of the joints we love. So we came up with five. You got five, right? Yep. All right, all right. So So I'll I'll start with, with my number five, um, and kind of wrap it in. I think very similar to what you're saying. And it, it kind of ends up with my number one song about him. We don't know how good he could have been. We know how good he was, right? And but if you even look from '94 to '97, you see a level of growth lyrically that I'm hard pressed to see in any other artist in three years, mm-hmm. right? Like this is just being real technical as former rappers. Yeah. Like the level of technical growth he did from partying bullshit to the only one I. I can even think of kind of that was similar was the Andre 2000s group, mm-hmm. right? From, you know, uh, the Christmas anthem, Players Ball, to like some of the stuff on that Liberation and, and those Equimini and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, where yeah, you just yeah. saw this huge uh, shift in topics and rhyme patterns. Like, so for me, number five for me was my downfall. Um, and you know, for that album in particular, you had it where you get this, you get these double albums where they're trying to double up and kill the quote unquote, kill the game. And so everyone remembers more money, more problems. Everyone remembers these other songs, but like songs like my downfall, um, and by extension, also another one that came after that was 
for me um, was Long Kiss Goodnight mm-hmm. were examples of how he was still at the top of his game in the ability to rap as good as all the other rappers, which at that point was, you know, kind of quote unquote in question because of all the other stuff that was happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was being more well-rounded, but my downfall um, to me is a classic example of uh, of lyricism of where he was headed. Absolutely. And uh, my downfall was on my list too. Um, it's definitely one of my, probably my favorite record on that on that album um you know i mean even just the the way i mean you know it's like i said i think about all these like i wonder i wonder if 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 he told puffy to say you know jealous you's a jealous motherfucker you just a weak motherfucker you know what i'm saying like that beginning you know what I'm saying? but 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 the thing that the way even like the beat comes in and he's like He's like riding the beat. He's jumping out the beat. He's jumping back into the beat. You know what I'm saying? He's doing patterns. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> some bitches from Brussels eating clams and mussels. Puzzles out the bush. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like doing that stuff with his breath and the patterns. The uh, What's the other part in that? Um, uh, oh, like, um, but then even the, the subject matter is sort of like, like, you know, my friends is lying, you know, killed them, filled them, but the boogers all these record dying ain't the shit, but it's pleasant. Pleasant. Uh, kind of right. quiet. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like he just uh, then he like jumps back in, watch my niggas bring the right. Like, uh big going, uh. It's like, yeah. Like we- Yeah, no, he he <laughs> he had another he had another level of command of his voice and rhythms that he almost forced you to get into that you might not have started like you wanted to like. Yeah, but you might have had to end liking. Like it's different than the Nas's or the like different to different rappers where it was like you you know the quote unquote way that this person raps is undeniable. He almost like forced you into liking it because it was that good and that ahead of its time. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I mean, I think you looking at my downfall. Talk about long kiss, good night. That's when I bring up actually is who shot you. And Hushacha was, I mean, Hushacha was like a culmination of a lot of hip hop. And I mean, during that time, because you get you get him doing Hushacha, you get all the stuff around Hushacha, but you also get this mix of just like a straight beat and a rapper. Like, and he, yeah. and again, with all the stuff that was going on, he just had times where he showed you, like, if I'm not the best, go get him. <laughs> right, right. right. Straight up, like, and who and who shot you in these songs we talking about? Give him the now. There's other stuff that he shows. I mean, we all know the you know, the whole notorious thugs and him flipping that flow. We also we all know that stuff. But like these songs, to me, were just examples of him being like, even though many of us and you and I included probably were not inclined to like Biggie as much as he should have been appreciated during that time, because you're getting into people's personalities and the ideas of record labels and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're getting into all this stuff versus is this person good or not? Yeah. Right. And, and, and almost letting Diddy's stuff overwhelm the fact that he wasn't to be messed with. So yeah, I think who shot you is like exhibit, exhibit like one A. If somebody was like, all right, 
tell me about a song in the mid '90s from the East Coast that was good. Oh, put on who shot you? Right. Like you know what I mean? Like you can see like like criminology. Like that right. is like one of them things. Like put on criminology. Put on who shot you? Like right. You know, um, in that seething energy. Now you know people can often compare him to Hitchcock in the way he told the stories. But it is it is interesting in the level of seething energy that came through Big's raps. Yeah. Yeah, like, like I like to, I like to say too much. I like to say most of y'all, but I'm not <laughs> right. Like I yeah. like to, I, I like to say something, but I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Hmm. Yeah. So, one and and maybe unconventional pick, but I actually like "Sky's the Limit" and uh, off the hypnotized record. And what I like, I actually like the verses. You know what I'm saying? Like the verse is what he, I mean, I mean, it's the, it was the, it was for that time to like how you make a radio hit, you know, you get, you get, you get some verses, you get some dudes singing, you know what I'm saying? You know, I love always like a good, you know, rag the riches story, you know what I'm saying? And that's sort of the theme of that song too. But like, you know, when he's, you know, starting off describing like, you know, he, you know, he's, he's sewing uh, animals on his shirts, you know what I'm saying? And, you know what I mean? Getting into, getting into, you know, getting pressed about, you know, that your that your gear is fake and then him figuring out like I ain't gonna be the I ain't gonna be the victim. I'm gonna be the wolf. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like taking someone through that, you know, in, in, within the context of the song. Um and it's a song that, you know, like I said, it sounds good when you're driving. <laughs> like if you're riding, you listen to it, you're like you like, I see the inside, I see you later. You're like, oh yeah, go ahead, Biggie. Tell him about. How hard it was yeah. coming up. You know what I'm saying? But he also was right, lets you know that stuff that you can really relate to where your sweatshirt ain't the real sweatshirt. Right. Like you you got a you got a fox on your shirt. You don't have no little uh, crocodile on your shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you got some other animal that's not supposed to be the proper <laughs> animal. Like oh your sweatpants ain't got no pockets. Like you like, know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I mean, you know, poverty is still poverty, but I don't know if those particular experiential things happen the same, at least in the, in the, in in most of the U.S. I mean, I'm sure there's there's still like I know there's lots of fake Supreme gear and other thing rolling all around, but just the general idea that like it was really like a thing, like for somebody that like some other shit on the shirt, you'd be like, what's that? That's a, what is that? An ostrich? Like. <laughs> that don't look like no. That don't look like the polo man. Like what? That man? Like, Right, like U.S. people, you United States Polo Club, like when United States Polo Club get a retail outlet, they get they get an outlet. Right, like that was not a uh, that that it it was a different time, but that was also you know. So I think it's a you know it's not a it's definitely like a song that is not a uh, like if I was like yeah you need to you need to if you need to like Biggie you need to listen to this like no no like you know it's more of a song like once you listen to Biggie and then if you can not if, if the if the sing songy chorus don't throw you off he actually has got like real got you know actual verses <laughs> in there like no you know, a, no absolutely. absolutely and um you know what i mean he gives it up you know what i mean on that track so um so next one is unbelievable mm. for me um unbelievable matters for a couple reasons um i think that's when premier was in the middle of his uh unprecedented run mm-hmm. I I was thinking I was talking to Nala Devon and saying that premiere between the second Gangstar album um, the second Gangstar album and the Group Home album 
was on an unbelievable run. Like Second Gangster album, Jay Rue's whole album, whatever he gave Nas, whatever he gave Biggie, whatever he gave any other rappers, whatever he gave Group Home, like he was just at the top of his game. So that 93 to 96 Primo, and to me, Unbelievable is a perfect example of when a rapper that is hungry connects with a producer that's at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Unbelievable is not late Biggie, it's early Biggie. But you start to hear what was going to come in the, in the, in the final song I'm going to share. But you start to hear what was going to come again technically. And the thing about, thing that made Biggie so good, going back to this, is like, you have this history of flowing from the Rakims, the Cool G raps, the going to the puns. You like when you have this like way that they rapped, and it, and it, it is a clear line. Biggie clearly heard them all, but he, but and you could tell he was influenced by them all. But what he did shifted and actually created like a new path. Like he used his voice and his rhymes in ways that then people would start to mimic him and stop to mimic the people that came before him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're if you're a rapper at a certain time, you mimicked big, right? You mimicked Nas. I mean, those people were kind of like fundamental in saying we were mimicking these particular groups of people. And also, I mean, Jay is over there in his own place because he takes the best of what he does with um with Jazz O with a or the mastery of a whole different set of styles and then conditions it to the time. But mm-hmm. So I think, yes, yeah, so I think big, just, you know, unbelievable. And then playing off of, um, playing off of Juicy, right? Because you get this song where he does his rag to riches tale. Everyone likes it. Hell of a sample. And then he comes with this extremely hardcore song. That, again, up until that point, you didn't have that. You, you, you had Red Man. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, EPMD with Headbanger, blow your mind. Like, yeah. I mean, you just got this kind of music. So big to take the best, take the best of the Harlem culture of like the more R&B beats and have rapping over R&B beats, but then still to be able to do the other element of the craft, I thought was that was important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I I guess I I always think about because I had that and a couple other songs from that record, like on a mixtape or something, you know, a little bit before it came out. So I was, I was, you know, by, by the time the record came out, I was already like, yeah, it's my jam. Like, big small did the illness, like that whole, you know what I'm saying? That's that one of my favorites. So I went, um, wait, I'm going to put this in the middle because um, Suicidal Thoughts is, um, uh, ill song and the the sentiment that he speaks to in the song and it's interesting because I think at the time I don't know if it I mean I remember thinking it was like it was like man he just did he just did that but I'm sure it's like it's not really a concept anybody wants to like be in the house thinking about suicide so <laughs> like as like I said like oh man put on this song about suicide again and let's do it but um you know especially now operating and looking at it from the perspective of someone that does intervention and, and service work and or has done that work and and think about generally within with men that 
um, you know, suicide is a real thing and that you made a song talking about it at a time when there's definitely a lot of men who, you know, coming on the backside of the early second wave of the crack age, like had done and seen terrible things and, you know, were making reckless decisions that were akin to, you know, how one would maybe try to, to hurt themselves or have something happen so that they could, you know, escape, you know what I mean? Sort of the, the, what they're, what the, what they're dealing with. And it it is a, um, I mean, I think, you know, he wrote the song, you know, I get the sense that it was written from, from actual feelings, you know what I'm saying? Like thoughts that one really had, like not loving yourself, feeling you're not worthy, feeling you can't be redeemed for stuff you've participated in struggling with that you might be involved in mayhem and you kind of like it. Like you, you act like you don't like it, but you kind of like it, but then you kind of don't like it, but you kind of like it. You kind of like the, the, the feeling and the power of, you know, being, you know, holding your neighborhood hostage, <laughs> so to speak, you know what I'm saying? And to, to, to create, uh, to make a song about that and that in many ways accurately um, depicts you know, sometimes what happens when people are having suicidal ideation, they they usually will call, especially men, they would sometimes will call someone that they care about and they may not speak to it directly. They may not ask for help, but they will reach out to the, like this person before they're about to make this, you know, try to make this attempt, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, from uh, when someone's thinking suicide, that's the language that one's supposed to lead, use. Um, you know, that's, these these are things that this is like how it happens. <laughs> so um whether whether he I don't know if he did any trade, if he had an experience and engaged with it, I don't know all that part. But the way he depicted that is a lot of the way if you are able to get one of them calls, how it goes <laughs> and what you're trying to do and trying to keep the person talking and trying to stay connected with them and you know, I'm on my way and like trying to see if somebody else is nearby that can, you know tap them and make sure it's all right or like let remind them that that you know that there's other people around and, and not so much to tell them you know what to do or not to do but a lot of things is just just be with them um if you want you know to prevent you know someone from harming themselves and you know i, I think it's in hindsight for whatever people feel about it i think it was actually a brave thing to do to make a song about that you know what i'm saying especially in the early 90s when i'll like i mean i can't think of nobody that made the made such a song and i think that folks i think to some degree you know people may have took it like about him just being about that you know what i mean but it's clear in other because another songs he talks about sort of like the struggle of of how you see yourself yeah i mean so i i mean i short quickly say i think you you elucidated well elucidated on it well it was ahead of his time if we only knew what was to come and that so many people within harboring other, uh, within hover, harboring other antisocial behaviors, that this was a part of what people were, were harboring, right? And that they were connected, that the depression and that the things that people were seeing when you robbing your baby mom of, the, of her earrings independent, you know what I mean? Like, the same person that does that stuff has other challenges. Because before, this was a time we had started to make a heroes of the street motherfucker, right? Mm -hmm. 
without the other side of that conversation. Now, horrorcore was out there, but that had started, that had almost like started and became a, yeah, a parody absolutely. of itself, right? And the only thing that was close to that was the Gravediggers concept. That this is a podcast Prince Paul talks about really where that came from and embracing those like levels of uncomfortability mm-hmm. and fear and your body, you know. But again, because of Wu Tang, that kind of felt like a more of a gimmick. And then all the, the hardcore stuff was super gimmick. But Biggie, I think, came with like, yeah, I rob you, I hustle, but I have these thoughts when I'm by myself. 27 years later, we are just beginning to properly honor mm-hmm. where people are in regard to all those feelings they're having with some of the, in, the influences and environmental factors that move a lot of behavior. And so I think, yeah, it was, it was an ominous, frankly, sign of what was to come that we, did, that we didn't take in the broader sense of our community. So uh, which, uh, thank you for bringing that one up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Really quickly, one that's not like the last one I want to talk about, but make me think about is actually Everyday Struggle also off the album. Um, and Everyday Struggle is that real story of going out of state, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and yeah. different, it's not for every city and not for every situation, but for those who are listening who may or may not be aware of the concept of going out of state yeah. where someone from a large metropolitan area um, decides to go to another city or another place, urban, rural, usually smaller urban or rural or, you know, suburban to to ply their hand in the drug trade. Um, and the story of what it meant for dudes from New York, where it is mm-hmm. like people are killing each other over turf, the schools are failing, capitalism's failing or succeeding, depending on how you look at it. Um, and there's just not enough money in the street. And so people have to leave. So to tell that story, you know, it start with, I know how it feels to wake up fucked up. Pockets broke to hell. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Pockets broke as hell. Like, people looking at you, like, you the user. You know what I'm saying? Like, you hustling, but people looking at you like you was jammed up as they are. I'm a mad Buddha abuser. Like, you know what I mean? And so, him moving, say, mm-hmm. this is the everyday struggle. Again, I don't live no more. Every day I see death knocking mm-hmm. on my front door. You know what I'm saying? Living day like a hustle, another drug juggle, another day, another struggle. Then going into, I go to my man on the way to Maryland with my man too Texas over these projects. Go to Maryland, you're hustling, you're getting money, meet people from the town. And the, and the way that he described the story of people going out of town in such a time where only a few people in the country understood what that whole out of town thing meant. And, and the, the pros and ultimately the cons of going out of town. And to be able to tell that story, I thought was 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 a uh, genius. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the only equivalent burn the hand yeah. telling to that is it's summer vacation, uh, yeah. summer, vac- summer vacation. You know what I'm saying? Like where, which was the, you know, the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? The L.A. area. You know, structure of what that story looked like. And it's it's also when, when you look at it and you analyze those, it's like it is a it is quite distinctive. You know what I'm saying? In 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 the approach, because definitely like. The, the the East Coast version that was very much like independent contractor, kind of like I'm just going, you know, I'm gonna open up this market, you know what I'm saying? And 
the LA kind of story was 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 a bit of that, but it was also like, you know, they was coming Corporate, with, with, yeah. with the structure of 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 the neighborhood organizations. Yeah, you know I mean, was going with it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, and then, absolutely. And then transplanting that idea, you know, into those cities. So it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition. Um, no, yeah, everyday struggle um is uh definitely um one of my one of my favorites uh for that reason too. And I'm go with my last uh, official one, I'm gonna get my bonus. Uh, one uh, is uh, things done changed. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it starts to wreck it out. You know what I mean? With the, you know, remember back in the days when niggas had braids, jelly shades, you know what I'm saying? Well, the waves, you know what I'm saying? Jelly shades, corn braids, you know, describing almost like this childhood as he remembered it that was like fun and people was having cookouts, you know what I'm saying? And like cool stuff was going on. It's like now, nah, man, none of that, man. We shooting, it's fighting. You know what I mean, everybody's upset. Like y'all scared. Like you know, like, look, <laughs> calling the city for help because they can't maintain. Like and and to be saying that in a record in '93, when you know, I mean, like I said, we we forget now. Like you know, and and some people say they don't, but like we talk about the '94 crime bill and all this other stuff, is that it, it there were, there were people. At least amongst the sentiment of the people, I don't know. I'm not gonna say like what elected officials, because I know that there's a couple different. Uh, I've read some other things, some good things that that point out that the opposition that a lot of elected officials in our communities had questions about that bill, but the sentiment in the community around the frustration level, as it was, you know, what I'm saying as you approach the end of the '80s, it's it was it was. It was interesting, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. They, we, we, I mean, I was involved in a in a march yesterday here um, around this on activate um, black men and bring awareness to like you know around the murders and the violence that's been going on and what we can do. And you know, a, a more pleaded theme from different folks that spoke or shared thoughts was you know still the lingering thing of sometimes us not engaging our own kids. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Or or the perception, whether that's real or imagined, right? Or even people furthering the idea when you're like, oh man, these kids, they different. You know what I mean? Like people have been saying the kids was different since we was kids. You know what I mean? And, right. And it's a it's a you know, we're having to do a song. That song is like set sort of the stage for everything else that's like on the record. But I mean, but it also is, I think, a great capsule, you know, or capture, you know, time capsule of like. Yeah, like the streets is like it used to just get in a fight. And like now, you know, I guess you could just say oddly enough, juxtaposing to uh, the chronic where he's like, you know, remember they used to ride, now they blast. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. they're like, we transitioned from just where like a gun, guns were existed and like guns was out there and sometimes people would get shot. But more often it'd be fights and, you know, you know, robbery, like all these other things. And then some people would get shot. You know what I mean? But like where things just started transitioning, we're like, nah, it's a lot more shootings. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's shootings all the time. Um, and and that being told in the music, and then even the because the, the other part of that song is the level of I mean, even where he ends, where he's like, you know what I'm saying, my mama got cancer in her breast. Don't ask me why I'm motherfucking stressed. Like, on top of all this street shit, my mom, my mother's got goddamn health condition that could kill her. Fuck man, like I'm 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 in a multi-layer challenging situation right now. Like <laughs> I, I'm engaged in the great economy, you know, due to where I, I found myself positioned. You know what I'm saying? That you know, the you know, you got like a crack rocker, you got a wicked jump shot. You 
And at the same time, my mother is facing, you know, health conditions that may or may not, well, one, our ability to take care of it um, are limited by the, by the structure we're in. And we don't know if, if, if our conditions are also contributing to the, to our experience. So I just, you know, you know um, no, I mean, thank you for bringing that to the table and kind of a, like really bringing those lyrics to thing. I think one, so many people got used to those times and that change they would be like, yeah, it is a little wilder than it was when I was coming up. And everybody just says that, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just got charged to the game, so to speak, in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> most music that was talking about the conditions of the community usually was saying, hey, yo, we got to work to change the conditions. Biggie's music and kind of NWA's, but I think Biggie sharpened it, was I ain't telling you how to solve it. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where a lot of other music was saying, "Hey, man, either let's stop shooting each other, or uh, the system is the people that's doing it." Right? Where Biggie stuff is like, "I'm writing to tell you this is how I feel." First person, do with it what you will. Yeah, right. Uh, clearly, you know, at the music at that time, besides it being really good we were in the midst of that era. And I think clearly the policy prescriptions and I and quickly just want to talk about one thing you said is a good point. Generations later can talk about the 94 crime bill and I get it. However, <clears throat> if people are being honest to their constituents and there is a space because of, you know, post-industrial capitalism where there's just no need for all these workers anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just got to be honest. There's no need. There were, once we got into post-industrial society, there's no need for all these other people. And then there were industries that came in and fit the bill when there was no need for all these other workers, most of whom were black mm-hmm. and young and black men in particular who were in, in factories and all this stuff. People became quickly adjusted to the point where Children became the people who were making all the decisions in neighborhoods and because of turf and because of access to weapons, because of access to cheap cocaine, there were people that felt hostage. And we, I don't think we can, we can't not say that. Yeah. Like we can't not say that people felt hostage, were taken hostage. Like when people have to move off of blocks and you could literally just happen to live on a block that gets taken over and it's a crack house or two crack houses in your your investment from your family goes to zero immediately. Again, it's nice to look back on it and be like, that's not what it was, or look at it through a lens of a different kind of sense. That's not to back up those votes. It's just that you make a vote with the best information you have at that time. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of the, we didn't have all of the think tanks that we have right now. Right. <laughs> and there was a much more traditional dare I say, conservative strain running through the black community of self-responsibility. And, you know, me and you, we've, we've, done, we've done shows about this whole vein of community, or this, our sense of community versus the self-responsibility that constantly runs through our community mm-hmm. in, in, in public thought and public action. Yeah. So I just think what you said is genius, and I think it's important to remember. So my last one um, is victory. Mm. Um, to me, 
Victory is probably one of the best shows of lyricism in hip hop history. Uh, I think he had reached where he was. He, you began to see where he was going. Mm-hmm. That's the way I describe victory. Victory began to show you what was about to happen <laughs> if he kept rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had reached, you know, again, there's many people that use or have a variation of that line. We're all nights I perform like Mike, anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, Action, Pat Guns. Like, what? Like, and then he goes into another rap. He goes into another thing ridiculous. And like, <laughs> you trust. Like, oh, this world yeah. I trust to Otto, Matto. Otto, Matto. You used to call me fat, so now you call me Castro, my rap so militant. Y'all ain't, oops, Cristal keeps spilling shit. Yeah. Like, like, yo, that. <laughs> 30, 45 seconds is like when certain jazz songs come on or certain Stevie Wonder songs or when you hear I Want You from Marvin Gaye. Like, you just reach the heights of what we're going to hear here, right? It's like when, it's like when my beat comes on. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like when Shook Ones comes on, like, whoa. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we never heard nothing like this. So yeah, I just think victory, um, just gives uh, uh, some insight into where he was headed and who he like who he was about to be and the reassertion, frankly spurred on by Jay Z, that he had to reassert that even his friend was not as good as him, right? Because his friend was very good, right? right. He's, like, he's <laughs> and, good, and, but I'm better. <laughs> I'm better, and so I'm, I had to like start showing y'all that I'm actually better than my friend. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, to me, just straight victory is one. Yeah, victory. I mean, it's such a. It's hard to do to to think that like, you know, you wonder if, if you know, like I said, if he his untimely death, and murder, had not occurred, like, how would that relationship have played out? You know, what I mean, would it have become contentious? You know, would it, or would it have stayed? Uh, I think they probably would have stayed symbiotic in some way. But also, you just it just makes you wonder. You know, what I'm saying like, how does that? How does that even impact other things? Like we we did the conversation about DMX a couple months ago. Like does does DMX happen the same way if Biggie if Biggie's still here? You know what I mean? Or Absolutely. does that or does those do those two things come together in some way? I mean, I think to a degree because there's an aspect of there's an aspect of DMX is sort of like an uptown returning to the music kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. I mean, so I think Absolutely. in a sense it, it happens either way, anyway. You know what I mean? It's not really cuz you know, you know, for for many there you could you could say basically kind of Brooklyn was running things, you know what I'm saying? Or, right. Right. The parent in terms of New York based uh artists and and then but, you know, it's just you know, it's the sad um thing um, you know, when you think about, you know, like I said the brothers, you know, being murdered and and, and it's still not solved. Just just for everybody out there, a major recording artist was killed in public in the 90s in one of America's biggest cities on a busy street, and ain't nobody's been able to solve the crime. So just, you know, if you ever wonder about, you know, people's indifference to the, you know, law enforcement system, it's sort of like, I mean, one of the most famous people in our community, as it were, at the time, was murdered in public in front of thousands, like at least hundreds of people because it was in front of an event and nobody could solve the crime. So, you know, work on that. <laughs> Put, get that together, you know, LAPD or whomever is in charge of that particular situation. It's like, 
Uh, it's upsetting uh, when I think about that. It's not, or, you know, you know, there's layers to it. I'm sure they'll be like, well, people won't tell us what they saw. I'm sure somebody would tell you what they saw. Everybody there wasn't, you know, affiliated or a, a non-civilian, as it were. Um, but at least, I, 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 I think the closing song I'll bring up is uh, it's one the first, like, where, you know, some of the party of bullshit is a, uh, it's still one of my favorite <laughs> The second phrase is like, uh, uh, he said, ask me, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, damn, I get it. Yeah, be, ask me if I had my piece. Sure do, two 22s in my shoes. <laughs> but he made me love him in the house. And like, even at that at that time, that was the cock. Everybody, like I said, everybody didn't have the hammer, but it was like, that's the dude that got the gun. Like, he the one that carried the gun for people. Or he's the gun dude. You know what I'm saying? You go to a party and you know, you might yeah. or may not know that's the individual. That's right. If it get if it get interested in here, they're gonna have, you know, the, the thing on them. And the uh, you know, it is a like a party song, you know what I'm saying? Like it, like everything about it is a party song. And and you know, so it's it's not as polished as as Biggie would get. Um, but it's the uh all the elements are there. And that this is a dude that can make a song that is like a dance song or a radio. I mean, I'm probably Bush probably wasn't really a radio song because of the cursing. But the, <laughs> but the, the the sense of it in terms of that this would be a song that if you was at a party they could play and you would want to dance. And but he was also rapping like the verses was was real verses. It wasn't like you know cat in the hat, uh, simple minded raps. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, as uh, as as the Rizzo would say, <laughs> he was cat in the hat, simple minded. <laughs> he was so mad on that record. <laughs> he said, yeah, he was simple minded. Yeah, I'm was. like, damn, Rizzo, you, you upset. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, and I think it's dope. Just I think it's just good for folks, man, to like go back and listen to it, as we talking about music, the importance of listening to, to these you know music of different eras. Um, you know, but also thinking about what what does the music say about the sentiment of the people. You know what I mean? What's on people's minds and hearts, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, and then like I said, the other side of it, like the artistry and, and just the, the creativity of the artists, you know what I'm saying? What they're creating, what they're doing, um, how their conditions, you know, served to, to give us what they gave us. Um, you know, we didn't get to talk about, uh, I don't know if you want to close going back to Don't Drive Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> close out. I, you know, again, I think you make a, here's the thing, I think you make a really good point. And you bringing up a couple of those Biggie songs that, frankly, even I never went back and <clears throat> thought of him in this context, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the context you spoke on. Um, but Don't Drive Drunk was, again, when, you know, Stevie Wonder starts, like, you know, doing Stevie Wonder songs, like, the issue of the time. And, again, it's easy now to forget that, like, at least on television, with Mad and Sad, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the Students Against Drunk Driving, like, that was a real force in the American cultural war in the 80s amongst, like, people having alcohol and driving drunk. To the point, just like, you can't imagine a time where people didn't say, put your seatbelt on. There was a time that people did not say, put your seatbelt on. Right. (laughs) They said, don't drive drunk. Right, right. (laughs) Right, like the seatbelt came after the don't drive drunk in, in the right, order, it didn't come before the seatbelt, order of yeah, order of public importance. Like, and so you know, I think artists get to a place in their musical careers where different things start to, to 
to play out. And again, like Stevie Wonder did ha- happy birthday to Martin Luther King. He had done anti-apartheid songs. He had done, I mean, in 1991, he does an album uh, around Jungle Fever that deals with interracial relationships, love, and crack, nice. <laughs> right? Like, you know, it was important that, that crack particularly was an important part of Jungle Fever and Spike Lee's ability to see that and Stevie Wonder's ability to bring these things to, to the surface. So, you know, you get to songs that reflect the times. I just think we'll be in an interesting space where we hear some music today and we'll wonder what was the timing and why was it produced other than the fact someone just wanted to hear this idea? Mm-hmm. Like, what was its connection? Was it done in a pandemic? Was it not done in the pandemic? Was it done when people had access to money? Or literally, did it get to a place of, this is what people want to hear, so this is what I'm going to tell you. So right. just think um, music reflects the times, but also times reflects the music. And when, at least say for Black people in America, when your music starts to have no connection to the time, woe to us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So with that, I mean, you know, I say, uh, you know, one love to Stevie Wonder and all these folks and he's still with us and uh, love and respects to Biggie's family and Biggie, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, his uh, children, uh, you, know, you know, whatever members of his family are around to, to hear it, <laughs> you know, thank you. And um, yeah, that's it for me. My man. All right, with that, I'm saying peace. peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Thank you to you, the listener. We try to record regularly, um, staying up to date, abreast, engaged in, in live real time. You know what I mean? What's going on in the world and hope that our conversations uh, bring something uh, meaningful and valuable to you. Best way to support the podcast is one by sharing the podcast, uh, you know, pass it to a friend, pass it to a family member, you know, listen to it when you out and about, maybe with somebody, you know, unsuspectingly next to you, get a little touch of the touch of what we're doing. Uh, the other way that you can support the podcast is becoming a patron. Uh, you can look up Ash Old Head on Patreon and just find the level that works for you. Every little bit helps to offset, you know, what it costs to just just to make sure, you know, brothers keep making space to hold these conversations. And I and I will update that, you know, my individual interviews have been sporadic. It's been a busy time, you know, global pandemic and all, global racism, what have you. Um, however, um, putting together. You know the roster and the production schedule, and uh, you know by the by the end of the summer, for sure the may not be the recordings will probably be done, but by midsummer, meaning probably by the first week of July, uh, the first batch of uh, you know really 2021 uh, individual sessions, you know will we, we, be up and cracking. That's the plan, at least. We shall see. We shall see. In any event, uh, I will keep making this go. Uh, please support you know in any way that you can. And, um, you know, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, be safe out there. You know, don't take any wooden nickels or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Don't get a... <laughs> I'm going to say that for an actual episode because there's a lot of a lot of foolishness out there in the world right now that can suck your energy and your time. People saying they're trying to help you. So, um, again, take the best part for yourself. Thank you for listening. Peace.